Today, I would like to introduce you to a person I've known for a really long time. I had the privilege of chatting with David Jezik, CEO of the YMCA of Greater St. Petersburg in St. Petersburg, Florida on January 8th, 2021. His Y actually started a software implementation only a few months after I joined the Daxco team. And every conversation over the years has left me enlightened on the scope of the outreach to his community. David's insight is drawn from a family lineage of service at YMCA's around the country with his father working at the Y for 35 years. Our conversation begins with an essence of his service in the YMCA and quickly develops into two main facets. On one hand is the internal community of relationships with fellow Y staff throughout the country and a newly formed self-governing body for small and mid-sized Ys. On the other hand is the external community, the people most affected by outreach and assistance. In David's day-to-day, this includes virtual dance classes for the St. Pete community, a 30-year running neighbor-to-neighbor Christmas program, and a deep investigation of how to pivot in a post-COVID world. I hope you leave as inspired as I did. During during the the shutdown, when we were closed, we we had people that joined the Y knowing they could not use our facility. In fact, they told us, I know I can't use it, but I love what you guys are doing in terms of camp for essential workers and blood drives and food drives. So so really, if you think about membership in a way different than just a place where you go and work out, you belong to a movement. You belong to something that's really special in your community and gives back. Accelerant, a substance used to aid the spread of fire accelerating or causing acceleration. This is the Accelerant Podcast. Hi there. Thank you for joining me on the show today. I'm your host, Saranda West, Director of Product at Daxco. Today, I am joined by a true Y guy in every possible way. David Jezik is the CEO of the YMCA of Greater St. Petersburg. He has spent his career serving YMCAs, and I leave every conversation with David inspired um, to continue serving. So I'm looking forward to sharing this conversation with you today. David, welcome to the show. Very excited to be in, in, invited and participate in today's conversation. Yeah, thanks. And David, let's just start out. If you could, obviously a quick intro, CEO of uh, the YMCA, there's a lot there, but elaborate a little bit for us and tell us your why story. Well, I feel like I was born into the Y. I'm a second generation uh, Y guy. And, and so I, I learned to swim at the Y. I, I went to camp at the Y. I caught my first fish on a camp out with my dad in, at Camp Classen. I, I learned to play chess at the Y. My dog flunked obedience school in, at the Shawnee, Oklahoma Y. I got in trouble at the Y. My first job was at the Y. I mean, I, I could go on and on. And, and literally when I went off to college, uh, I was determined not to follow my dad and not to follow my brother because my brother also has a Y career. And it was about halfway through my freshman year in college that I, I broke down and just said, it's in my blood, it's in my DNA, and that's what I wanted to do. So, you know, I've been fortunate and blessed with a long career, 37 years in the Y, worked in Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, my third and final stop uh, in Florida. So I've done just about every job there is in the Y. And 12 years ago, I was hired as a CEO here in, in St. Pete. And you know, the, the stars aligned and this has just been a great opportunity for me and feeling very blessed. So what did your dad say? I'm just curious when you, you know, you went off to college determined to go in a different direction. What did your dad say 
Well, my dad's always been encouraging. I, you know, I, I swam competitively in high school and college on a scholarship. I, I wanted to be a swim coach. That was the only reason I went to college was to, I wanted to be the next Mark Spitz. I actually had the mustache. Um, nice. But uh, my parents have always encouraged. Of course, I've seen, I saw what the Y did for my family and, and my dad was extremely successful and happy. He retired in 1992 with 34 years of service, and, and he continues to be recognized. I, I have to share with you, I got a text message from my mom just this week. They got a letter from a family foundation that was making a donation to a YMCA honoring my dad and my mom. So a $30,000 donation is being made to one of the wives my dad worked at, and uh, in his honor, he turns 90 next month. So it's a, it's a birthday present from a family foundation that really looked back at the history of the Y and said, you know, the Jesics really played a role in, in saving our Y. And we have a lot to, to be thankful for, for those that came before us. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic, David. Uh, congratulations on behalf of your family. I know that's a, that's a real honor. So having grew up in the Y and, um, you know, and and then having a career in the Y for so long. Recap for us a little bit what um, you and the St. Pete community and the Y has experienced in 2020. Well, we're no different than a lot of Ys across the country that have experienced the effects of COVID-19. And we closed in March. I, I will tell you, it was a unique way of closing that we are blessed to have a, a great partnership with our neighboring Ys, the YMCA, the Suncoast. Uh, Scott Goyer is the president and CEO there, and Matt Mitchell, uh, the Tampa Metropolitan Area YMCA. And we share services, we share marketing and IT. We, we do a lot of stuff together. And so we already had that existing relationship. And we started saying, what are you going to do? And we decided that we were going to close simultaneously, that we were going to announce our closings across the Tampa Bay, and that we were going to pivot collectively to do essential uh, camp care for, for essential workers, camp for essential workers. Yeah. And um, we also partnered with uh, One Blood to do blood drives. And then uh, here in St. Pete, we partnered with the free clinic to deliver uh, food to uh, those in need. And we reached out to some of our constituents that we already were aware that needed help. And so basically after we closed the three Ys, we were, we were on the same page supported one another. We went out after funding together. So, you know, it's one thing to what we did, but how we did it. And, and I think that that was recognized in our community. We, we got recognized by the Tampa Bay Business Journal uh, as one of the nonprofits that really responded to what was happening in the community. So you closed down in March, went into the child care for essential workers. What did the opening back up? In May, in May, we started opening back up. We obviously did a lot of of things in between, we reached out to our seniors, and we began to do a lot of virtual classes. We were we were doing virtual dance lessons, uh, which is pretty cool. We have a large dance program that's very successful, has about 350 dancers in it, and and so we we had to continue to provide that, and, and of course, uh, online classes. And even today, we're doing some of our health, like diabetes prevention, uh, is still being done virtually. The only thing we're doing at the Y differently is reserving the pool for lap swimming. But uh, other than that, our classes are, are back to regular. We're, we're spread out in the gym instead of the small studios. And, um, you know, we're just watching how our equipment's spaced out to ensure our sports programs are coming back. 
we're still not 100%. I mean, we're looking at about 60% of where we were this time last year in terms of membership. Our childcare is running about 65, 70% of what it was prior, and we're in 25 schools. We did continue to operate our preschools. We have three preschools. Our spring break camp in March when we were operating continued for like for 18 weeks. And, and I would tell you, our staff were burnt. And, you know, while everybody else was going home and quarantining, hats off to the frontline staff. I know we talk about our medical staff, hospitals that are on the front line, but if you consider what some of our childcare staff went through during that whole period, it's incredible and, and necessary to keep those essential workers at their jobs and, and keep people employed. I think that's a great point in terms of like the essential workers. It's definitely our medical staff who are key, but they have families as well. So they need the support from the rest of us to be able to, to provide those services. In terms of when you're talking about your staff and just getting to the point of burnout from having to just do so much, one of the things I know is hard for a lot, at least it is for me in terms of making sure I'm remembering self-care for myself, how how have you stayed healthy during this time? Well, I tell you what, my exercise program is like a meal. If I miss a workout, I start getting grumpy. <laughs> yeah. So I have found a way to exercise, swim, run, lift weights throughout the week that is on a different schedule, different than I've ever done. I mean, I'm, I will say my sleep is a little, my pattern of sleep is different because I'm actually up at 5.30 and I'm, I'm working at 6, 6.30. I am trying to shut it down. My wife says, okay, it's time, you know, because you just lose track of time. But one way I've maintained my health is I protect that time of workout. It's sacred with me. And, and I think it's important that I, that I do that. Absolutely. And, you know, I think everyone is adjusting to different schedules or to working from home in a lot of different ways and having something that is consistent that you can just rely on. And even that goes back to what the Y provides in that consistent place. Right. Hello. I'd like to interrupt this podcast to introduce myself. I'm Constance Miller. Director of Research, Analytics, and Insights at Daxco. That means my job is to surface actionable insights to help all we work with make the most informed decisions possible to drive success. We thought the Accelerant Podcast would be an ideal opportunity to link the stories you're listening to from amazing people all across the country and add data to deepen the takeaways. So here we are in the Quant Corner, where numbers and data tell beautiful stories. David just shared such compelling information about not only what the St. Pete Y did to initially respond following COVID shutdowns and closures in early 2020, but how the community responded to the Y in return. The data he mentioned about joins and renewals still coming in during that time, even in modest amounts, bears out across all sizes of Ys and Js throughout the country during that time. Another key topic that so many of us are aware of, but remains an important proof point is when he spoke about the Y quickly stepping up to offer childcare for emergency responders and essential workers. 
Looking across the data nationally, we saw consistently higher rates of childcare and day camp registrations compared to other program registration and member and program participant activity. For example, in June of 2020, right during the closure phase David spoke of, when all other metrics were decreasing, childcare registrations had a 3% increase compared to 2019. So while check-ins were a quarter of what they normally were, even if we look at virtual check-ins and other program registrations were around half of a typical June, childcare went up and did so across the board. It did it particularly with both large, wise, and urban and suburban areas who were able to offer this type of support to the community, but it also did with independent locations who are often a main source of childcare in their service area. To look at these trends and more, I'm referring to the June 2020 Insight and Impact Report, which I hope you find helpful. For more information, visit daxco.com forward slash insights and impact report, or use your favorite search engine for Daxco Insights and Impact. We hope you enjoyed this interview and thanks for stopping by the Quant Corner. As you're looking ahead and, and leading the, the St. Pete Y, how do you see the Y just reinventing in general? There's certain things that stand out that you know you'll continue doing that you had to pivot to or tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I think so. You know, the other day, someone said they were anxious to get back to the, the new, the, the normal or the new normal. And I said, well, the new, the normal wasn't working for us. So, you know, and who really aspires to be normal, right? So I think we have to think outside the box. I think we need to, to reset a little bit. And, and you know, our, our, our bread and butter has been membership. And I think it will continue to be uh, because we're an organization where people belong and, and feel like family, and I think that will always resonate in what we do. Um, you know, I'm optimistic that after the vaccines uh, are distributed and we do get back to some normalcy of activity that people will feel more comfortable coming back to why. And, and um, you know, we had during, during the, the shutdown, when we were closed, we had, we had people that joined the why knowing they could not use our facility. In fact, they told us, I know I can't use it, but I love what you guys are doing in terms of camp for essential workers and the blood drives and the food drives. So, so really, if you think about membership in a way different than just a place where you go and work out, you belong to a movement. You belong to something that's really special in your community and it gives back. And to me, I think that if we can, I mean, that, that resonates with me off the bat. It's it's more than just a place to go swim. I think the Y has positioned itself well for that. We just need to figure out how we speak to it. That's probably the, the biggest challenge because we're the, one of the mis, most misunderstood nonprofit social service organizations that exist. But the one thing that's unique to the Y that no other social service organization can say, we bring people together from all walks of life. I mean, what other social service organization unites people that have and have not? And to me, that's the beauty of the why. You come in, you feel part of community. You feel like, you know, we're all here with the same goal in mind to improve our health, to strengthen our families. To me, that's the special sauce. In so many ways, I think that's the other piece that it's 
if you're not familiar with the Y organization, even you describing your story in the Y, right? Like you listed 10 different ways and memories of how it influenced you, no matter where you are in your age, in your life, in your family situation, like the the Y has something for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. People say, well, what do you do at the Y? Well, there's golly, it's a blessing and a curse in some ways because we do so much, but that's also an advantage because we can really meet people where they are and what, what resonates with them. I mean, the Live Strong program is a prime example of that. We've been doing Live Strong before Live Strong was even thought of. I mean, there were cancer survivors coming to the Y to reclaim their health, Yeah. right? Now you put a class and a label on it, you, you fund it, and it, it's special. But we've been doing that all along. And, and to me, I think it's about how we speak to what we're currently doing that moves us to the future, too. What's happened has kind of pushed us to think differently and outside the box, but I'm very optimistic about the future too. I I do think the why will emerge and come out of this even better than we were before. Typically January is like the super busy time. What has January been like so far? Well, it's been good. I mean, we just came off our, our neighbor-to-neighbor Christmas program, uh, 30th year. Uh, the, the support we received from our community is outstanding. Almost $160,000 in contributions uh, toward that effort. The neighbor-to-neighbor program is one of uh, historic programs that provides this past year 403 families, 921 children, a special Christmas. And, and, you know, our work's not done just at Christmas. So we will continue to serve those children. Not only do we provide a tree and decorations and a $50 gift card to Publix and toys for the children and, and stocking stuffers, we also provided them a gift card to the YMCA. So those any of those 921 children can come to the Y to learn how to swim, to join a basketball team or a soccer team. We gave them a little gift card that they can use and and uh, when they come into the Y. And I, you might be interested to know that we use Daxco as a part of our efforts. We cull through our data to find out what families are receiving financial assistance and who's in all, some of our social service programs. And those get invitations to participate in the Neighbor to Neighbor Christmas program. And then afterwards, uh, post-event, we use that to continue to stay engaged with them because we're not done. It's, it's, this is more than a, just a toy under the tree. It's an opportunity for us to continue to stay engaged with these families throughout the year and invite them to uh, different events and make sure that they get those children in to learn to swim or join a team, right? Because that's one way we can help these families navigate the full year. David, this is such a unique program. I mean, a lot of wise across the country, and even other nonprofits have some type of toy drive or something, but that's super unique. You just described not like not just giving a toy um, or grabbing an angel off a tree, but like really giving them a full Christmas. Well, and and one of the other things that's even really more unique to that, a lot of times when you see Christmas programs, you see children holding whatever toy they have, right? Yeah. This is not that. The parents that come in, this is their opportunity to to be the Santa. So a lot of these gifts that they uh, select are the things that they put under the tree that aren't wrapped. Yeah. 
And I will tell you, I have countless stories, even some that were just shared with me today about a lady that broke down in tears uh, during COVID or she lost her job and they were living off their $40,000 a year salary the husband had and they have seven children and they didn't know if they were going to have Christmas or not. And, and we got them in the program. We work with area churches as well as our own database, but we work with area churches to ensure there's a true need. I think it's, it's a little embarrassing if you think about it, as these families come in and pick out their toys and stuff, you know, they're going through with volunteers. They're obviously in need, but it gives them an opportunity to respectfully provide a Christmas for their family and, and that the children don't know where the toys come from. Yeah. You know, that's what makes it, I think, even more unique is that we give the parents the opportunity to be that Santa for Christmas. Absolutely. And I know you said this is a program that's been running for 30 years, which is amazing too, but I'm sure even this Christmas for a lot of families meant a lot more, right? Because it's just Absolutely. a hard time. Absolutely. We did have to change a little bit. So one of the things that's going to stick is we registered toys at Target and Amazon. A lot of times when we're collecting toys, we get a lot of young, you know, it's easy to give the infant toddler toys and the two to four to five year old toys. But when you get into the 12, 13 and 14, they're hard to shop for. So the toy registry at Amazon and Target were all of the toys that are the hardest to come by. And so it really made the shopping for these families enjoyable because there was some really good stuff in it. And I tell you, it was, it was fun to see the Amazon boxes arriving at the Y like daily. <laughs> we had a lot of fun. We have 125 volunteers, over 400 donors that support the program, sponsorships. It's very unique programming and it is built over time. David, in terms of, you know, I know that the, the St. Pete Y and you're doing a lot in the community for those that have listened or are listening, what would be a good way for them to connect with you or even just the why to learn where they can learn more information? They certainly just, you can look me up on LinkedIn and, and uh, that's a great way to connect from a professional perspective. And then you get an idea of where you've been and where those connection points are. I, I like to use that because oftentimes you'll see that we share 12 like friends, right? So you, yeah. you say, oh, okay. And, and I'm not really good at remembering where people are, have been or where they're at. That's one way. And one of the things that I'm doing right now is working with a group of CEOs across the country to form a network for small to mid-sized Ys. Existing now is a, a the YNAN, which is the top 60 Ys from a budget standpoint. And then the next top 60 Ys are the mid-major, but there's never been a self-governed network for those CEOs at the small to mid-sized Ys, which is almost 700 Ys. And so we've been on a journey for the past year, almost a year and a half, and we're at the stage of forming the government's documents and then ultimately getting a board of directors together to lead that group of, of Y professionals to connect with one another, to understand the uniqueness of the small to mid-sized Ys and for them to have a voice. Yeah, you know, they've not had that representation in the movement in the past. And I think it's, it's been missing. And uh, I'm excited about that work. I'm also excited to turn it over to the next group to lead it. <laughs> uh, things have happened well. We've worked with YUSA. YUSA funded the survey. We're using data to you know, drive the direction. First, we had to determine whether or not there was actually a need. 
And I will tell you, overwhelmingly, I want to say it was like 95% of the CEOs, and we got a huge response, like 65% response rate from all the CEOs of those whys. And that's unheard of to get that kind of response. And uh, overwhelmingly, a need and a desire to form a network for that group of, of whys. That is fantastic. I know that is a ton of coordination and a lot of work to get that many people together, but I'm I think the need is there absolutely just from working with WISE for so long, but you sounds like you've proven from the data that's true as well. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the small to mid-sized WISE. I think they are underappreciated, undervalued, looked upon as a liability, when actually I think that's where some of the best work happens. Now, granted, there are good WISE and there are bad WISE, but I don't think it matters what size you are. <laughs> All the big WISE used to be small, Sure. Well, and, and in terms of going back to, you know, just the the services that you provide and it's all about the community, right? And so just just like you're providing a community for your, for your members, you've now created a community for the CEOs to come together and learn from each other. That's, especially during this time, critical. Yeah, absolutely. I have a, a, a good friend that runs a small Y and I talk to him frequently and yeah, my why is a little larger. You think about some of these CEOs in some of these smaller communities that they're 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 doing the same work on a different scale, but they're still having to do some of the same essential things of a CEO of a large why, but they're also don't have any support network if they're I mean, you know, you could be a CEO and have one other full-time employee and two part-time people. Think about all the stuff that you have to do to lead a nonprofit. I mean, I, I think sometimes there's probably some large CEOs that could learn from some of those small CEOs and say, how do you do it? I got people that have people that have people that do that stuff. So again, I, I think it's long overdue. I'm excited. Yeah, that's fantastic. At one point, you and I had talked about y'all were, you were planning a conference of some sort. Is that still coming up? No, well, I, obviously conferences are not really in our dialogue right now. I mean, we're doing a lot of Zoom. We had one Zoom call last month with the CEOs, and we've got another one we're about ready to announce for later this month. But I think the research that we've received indicates that they are interested in a conference. YUSA used to have the conference, and, and that's been discontinued. YUSA also had the small to mid-sized Y cabinet, but that didn't really act as a network in the truest form. And, and that was discontinued in January as a result of our efforts. So clearly the, the torch has been handed to us. So a lot of pressure to continue moving this thing forward and allow a group to come together to figure out how they, uh, they network. Cause it will be different. It's a lot different than a network with 60 wise versus almost 700 is gonna look a lot different. Do you have any words of advice that you would leave other nonprofit CEOs with right now? If you read the good, the great book by Collins, um, you know, there's a hedgehog concept in there. I don't know if this really applies to CEOs, but it, it could to anyone that's looking to be successful or find their way. But the hedgehog concept is what are you passionate about? What do you get up every morning excited to do, right? Then, you know, what are you best at? What skills do you have to be the best, to win the gold medal? And the third is what provides the lifestyle? You know, we all can't be wealthy. I didn't go into nonprofit work to become a millionaire. 
but it has provided well for my family. I saw what it did for my dad and my brother and I, and, and you know, provided well for us. I've added a third leg to that hedgehog concept, and that is where you live, the quality of life. So, you know, listen, if you've got all four of those, like you get up in the morning and you're excited to go to work and you're doing really great stuff, and, and it's not just because you say it, but other people are saying it, and you're making a good living where you feel like you can experience life like you want, and, and then top it off being in a place like St. Petersburg, Florida, it's gorgeous. So listen, I, I feel like I've got it all. A day doesn't go by that I don't get up anxious to go to work. And it's not even really work. I, I will tell you though, during this COVID thing, there were a couple mornings I questioned myself. And I think that everybody probably would have expected that from me because there's been some tough times, but yeah. uh, we're doing fine. And I'm excited about where we are. We actually had a pretty good year considering. And I say that knowing that a lot of people lost jobs and, yeah. and people are hurting. We haven't forgotten about the devastation that's been left by this pandemic, but one of the primary jobs of a CEO is to ensure the stability of the Y. And I think that's where our focus is and will be for this year moving forward. Yeah. Thank you, David, for that. I'm grateful for you and your wife for all that you're doing for your community. And thank you for this conversation. I really appreciate it. Thanks to Baxter for, for hosting these. Absolutely. Thanks so much for listening to the latest episode of The Accelerant. As always, this is about inspiring you and me. Okay, all of us. Let us know what you've learned, what you want to hear, or any other thoughts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Daxco. That's at D-A-X-K-O, or post with hashtag Accelerant Podcast. Or you can send us an email at podcast at daxco.com. We would love to hear from you. You can find Accelerant wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to hit subscribe. That simple click helps us continue to bring new episodes packed with uplifting and insightful stories. Bonus points if you leave a review. Let other listeners know about us and what Accelerant means to you. Accelerant Podcast is a product of Daxco, serving the health and wellness community for over 20 years with comprehensive technology solutions to over 17 million members worldwide. Learn more at Daxco.com. That's D-A-X-K-O.com. Accelerant is produced by Christy Brown, Sean Ellis Hussey, and me, Saranda West. Sound and editing by Sean Ellis Hussey. Visual design by Jenny Miller. 